0: Anyway, here we go. Second chapter of Luke. More excitement. And we're going to start the 36th verse. But I just want to make a little commentary. Things I was thinking about this week was I was roaming around Disney. And I really wasn't. Oh, somebody's. No, that's you. Oh. Roaming around Disney. I was thinking, isn't it interesting that an angel shows up and announces John the Baptist, a celestial being. An angel shows up announces the birth of the christ an angel shows up in a dream a couple times with joseph but one in particular to take mary as his wife right and jesus shows up as a human being right he should have showed up as a celestial being shouldn't he he should have just you know everybody's waiting for him to come out of the air as a celestial being now he showed up as a human being And why did he show? I mean, why did he come through a mother's womb? And and there's ten million reasons I'm sure that I don't know. But he wanted to show our likeness. We came the same way through our mother's womb, didn't we? Pretty cool. And we come from the same source. You and I come from the Father. He is your daddy. Who's your daddy? He is. You have his genetics. And then as I was standing in line at Avatar. For 80 minutes, I read Colossians one because that's what we're going to do when we're down in uh, down in Rachel's country. I thought I'd start looking at it, but I just thought this in- verse was interesting, especially uh, in relation to what we're studying. And it says Colossians uh, one three says, "Every time we pray for you, we thank God for you. Together with our Lord Jesus Christ, we enjoy a common origin in the Father." Wow. It says other translations are way different, but he says we share together with the Lord Jesus Christ. We enjoy a common origin with the father. We came the same way incarnation, God incarnate in Jesus Christ and now in your flesh living. All right. So we already read about, you know, they went to the temple. We read about Simeon's prophesying over there and remember one who heard and he heard these people. In this first couple chapters, you notice how they're being led by the Holy Spirit. They're overcome by the Spirit. They're being led. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. John the Baptist, Zachariah, John the Baptist's father, Zachariah, was filled with the Spirit and he prophesied. And so Simeon was prompted to go to the temple and he prophesies basically over Jesus and talks to the mother and father. So now the prophetess Anna shows up. There was also, verse 36, by the way, I, there's a lot of commentary that I'm I'm not going to talk about because this is loaded with great wonderful commentary, and but for the sake of time, let you read it. And I just kind of picked out a few things. So, anyway, there was also a prophetess, in other words, prophet. Remember, one who sees, one who speaks for God, one face to face. Anna, and what's her name? Upward, the daughter of Phanuel. Fenuel, which means the face of God from the tribe of Asher, which means happy. So, think about it here is a person who's gazing upward in a metaphorical sense because God's in us, right? Face to the face of God, and what does it make her happy? So, maybe we should just continue to gaze at the Father, and it makes us happy. Anyway, she was already far advanced in her days and a widow for 84 years. Her husband died when she was only 21 and married for seven years. So she was married at, at age 14. She lived her name. Her face was constantly turned upward, engaging her father's eyes. The happy family. Sounds like a Chinese uh, you know, fortune cookie. Happy family. Anyway, verse 32 or 20, 30, 37 For all these years since her husband's death, in the commentary, there's more about her. She ministered to the Lord continually in the temple with prayers and frequent fasting. I wonder if we should continue to fa- to minister to the Lord in the temple, which is us talking to Him, listening to Him, and why don't we fast from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Why don't we just eat up the tree of the of life of what God believes to be true about us and fast? From that old tree that causes all kinds of condemnation and death as Simeon concluded his prophetic song over over the family so he's singing this is great Anna Miro echoed his words in other words she comes to confirm man is is God building up and confirming his word to Mary and Joseph meaning that angel shows up she goes to Mary's house Mary prophesies over man she they have the baby. The shepherds show up. The kings from the east show up. Now they're in the temple presenting the baby. Simeon shows up. And now Anna shows up. And she merely echoes his words. In other words, she repeats his words. And probably, and the, they knew that she didn't like, oh, she overheard. And then she just repeated them. No, she comes on at the very end and she repeats them. In a song of thanksgiving, to God for the child. She sings it. And from that day on. Listen to this. This is faith. She told everyone in Jerusalem. That the darling. The anticipated Messiah. Redeemer. Has come. The announcement. We are in that season. Of the year. Of the announcement. Of the virgin birth, of the coming of the Messiah to commemorate and bring it to remembrance, the Savior of the world. And if we didn't need saving, he wouldn't have showed up. Verse 39. So when the presentation in the temple and the relative ceremonies were concluded, the family returned to Galilee. The child grew up to be healthy, vigorous little boy. I love this, vigorous, healthy, vigorous little boy. He was a baby. Mary was holding God. Wow. God comes as a human being to show us who we are. He comes into our darkness. I love that John, the first chapter, he said, he came to his own and his own did not receive or recognize him. With uncluttered mind full of wisdom. And now, look at this. Wisdom is the word Sophia, which means clarity. Living with wisdom is the clarity, understanding God. Of course, He is God, right? Now, listen, living aware of the constant influence of God's favor upon Him. He's living aware of the. Constant influence of God's favor upon himself. Now, are you living or am I living? I hope so. Say, I am living constantly aware of God's favor upon me. You have the same favor, the same joy, the same love. As he is, so are you in this world. You're in union with him. Verse 41, every year his parents would journey to Jerusalem to celebrate the Paschal Feast. Now, the first part of the commentary I found interesting says the word Passover did not ever exist before William Tyndale. Of course, he remembered he did the translation of the Bible, coined it for his first version in 1526-31. Passover or Pesach means rescuing, expanding and protecting. It means kind of salvation, doesn't it? From era, Arabic root, which means to expand or to save. Who's the savior of the world? Who is the Passover lamb? Jesus Christ. All those feasts that people are still celebrating it t- today, and the Jewish feasts and Messianic Jews and some Christians, point to Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment. He is the high priest. He is the, he is the lamb. He's everything. And we we were talking about all this in Hebrews. It was brilliant. 42. Now, when Jesus was 12 years old, think 12 is significant? The 12 patriarchs, 12 tribes, they again went up to Jerusalem for the feast. Isn't it interesting? Now, I think, you know, Luke is doing the same thing, John, is. he's throwing certain stories in here. Because there's symbolism. They're to teach us something. They're to show us something. And then in the commentary, See this most significant connection with Jesus' visit 18 years later at the beginning of his ministry, and that's when he went into the temple and threw out the money changers. as during the Passover or the Paschal feast. Now, this next commentary, I skipped all of it because I thought, wow, there's a lot of stuff there. Good stuff, but a lot. So we're jumping already down to the bottom of the commentary where it says Acts 747 or 50. Says, I just want to read this. This is Act. and listen to this. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet, and I think if I recall, this is Stephen testifying to the Jews. I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure. Yet, the Most High does not dwell in houses made with hands. Does not, doesn't say, Yet the Most High sometimes dwells in a house not made with human hands. He says, the Most High does not dwell in houses made with hands. So when you go into your church or your building, it is not the temple of God or the house of God. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, and what is The place of my rest? Did my hands make all these things? Say this, I am his temple. I am his place of rest. Whoa. The word herios speaks of a greater temple building with all its outer courts. Whereas the word Jesus uses here is neos, referring to the inner sanctuary. This is also the word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not realize that your body by design is the sacred shrine of the Spirit of God? This is the most sacred place in the universe. And you know I am St. Patrick the Confessor. So we can do do a little confessing. I realize right now that my body by design is the sacred shrine of the Spirit of God right now. My body is the most sacred place In the universe. Say it. My body. And everybody else's too. They just haven't woke up to it. Is the most sacred place in the universe. Because the whole Godhead dwells in you currently. There's nowhere in the eternity that can match this. Say there's nowhere in eternity that can match me. And the word became flesh and now resides within us. I love it. John 14, 20, in that day, this is funny. Think about it. Jesus says to him, he's talking to the Jews, and his disciples says, in that day, coming forward, you will know that currently, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and that I am in you right now. You'll figure it out down the line, but it's right now. Think about that. Wow. Verse 43, having completed the Passover days, the parents went home without realizing that their boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem. Supposing him to be present in the group, they continued their journey and only began looking for him at the end of the first day. They frantically, frantically, that means anxiously, freaking out. Search for him among their friends and family. So get the picture. They weren't paying attention, and now they're going home, and now they can't find him. And I like this commentary. The women usually went ahead, and the men followed. Joseph may have thought Jesus was with Mary, and Mary, that he was with Joseph. The Nazareth caravan was so long that it took a whole day to uh, look through it. This is where we're quoting Plummer, whoever Plummer is. So think about a caravan so long that it would take you a whole day to look through it. And one th- you know, that's pretty common. He's with Ma- he's with Mary. Mary thinks he's with Joseph, but they figure out he's not. Finally, when they realize that he was not anywhere in the group, and they returned to Jerusalem on a mission to find him. Back in Jerusalem, they found him on the third day. Third day they found him. He was lost for three days. He couldn't be found. Sounds like the death and resurrection for three days couldn't be found. and He was found on the third day. Sitting in the temple surrounded by teachers. And where's he at now? Sitting in you. Engaging their attention with remarkable questions. And if you're listening to the spirit, he's engaging you with remarkable questions. Thought-provoking things. I mean, I just want to, you know, you read this in the history, and what God's doing, the fulfillment of prophecy, but it's also relevant to you and me today. 21 years later, there would be another Easter where he disappears and is found again on the third day. Cool stuff. Verse 47. Who would ever think, who who would ever really like, um, how many people realize that we're we're memorizing or having the remembrance of the birth of Christ or reading all these scriptures and, The Passover is in here too. Symbolism of what's going to happen to him. How he's going to be gone for three days. And raised up. Everyone listened to him. Was awed with wonder at his fantastic insight into the entire prophetic thought. He responded with such genius to the questions. It was like he wrote the scripts. And he did. And, you know, think about it. He's living in you and you possess the mind of Christ. He's asking you fascinating questions. He's also giving you insight. I mean, I hear it every week when you guys come back or in the, or I'm in the room with you people, with you beautiful people. And I hear, excuse me, comments that just like, wow. I always think to myself, I wish I could do this and then record this, put it out, steal some good stuff from you guys. Because there's some beautiful revelations that come forth, right? God is revealing Himself to you, and you're speaking it forth. And He's revealing Himself to all of us. He's using everybody, isn't He? And we're engaging the message. It's beautiful. All right. In the commentary, it says uh, the word, exostheme, to be one, to out of all of this, to be out of one's mind with wonder, to be beside oneself with amazement. That's how the people responded. They were out of their mind with wonder, like wow. You know, I and you know when God gives you revelation, aren't you like, "Wow, I am." Sunesis from the word sun and emi, which means together with my, I amness to resonate, which means to flow together as a stream of two thoughts. In other words, your thoughts and His thoughts become one thought. It's soon together. His thoughts. You possess the mind of Christ. His thoughts are rolling around in your brain. And over in one Corinthians two, it says he's given us the Holy Spirit to help understand what eyes not seen, what ears not heard, and what has not entered the heart of man. But he's revealed it by the Spirit. He says the Spirit knows everything, even sounding the bottomless things of God. You know, and you know, think bottomless things. Now I know I've said this before, but you know, if you're out on a out on a boat and you want to find the bottom, you take the oar and you go to the bottom. That's sounding, and the Spirit. And he's taken his Spirit out of himself, and put it in each and every one of you, so you can know his thoughts. Do you not know that you now currently possess the mind of Christ? 1 Corinthians 2.16. Say, I possess the mind of Christ. That's a fact. Whether I feel like it, whether I'm getting dumb thoughts right now, it's still true, because God believes it. Therefore, by faith, I believe it. All right, Verse 49. They were startled to see him in the temple. His mother scolded. Scolded God. <laughs> Son, how could you do this to us? Look at us. We are distraught. And the thought that you could be dead. Oh, foolish of you to cause us such agonizing grief. Everyone's been frantically searching for you for three days. So you get the three days theme, theme in there again. Now, isn't it interesting? I was thinking about this today. You know the story that he's in the, remember he's in the boat in the Galilee and he's sleeping. And remember there's the gale force winds that come up and the people that fish on that lake are terrified that they're going to drown and die. But he's sleeping. You know why? Because he knows he's not going to die. He's got an appointment with death on a cross. He knows that. He knows he's not going to die here. And he says this, he was surprised at their anxiety. And said, why this desperate search, searching for me, when you should know by now, you should know by now what I am all about. I am about my father's business. My father defines my being and destiny. My father defines it. He also defines yours, by the way. Sleeping on the boat. Don't care how how bad the hurricane is. Not dying here. I have a, I came with a mission. And you know what? We need to start trusting him like that too. And and I just want to point out, isn't it funny this really hit me because this is the key to walk with God right here, is to be about the Father's business. Simply. It's not building big ministries. It's not doing this or that. It's like, okay, Father, what are we doing today? John 5.19, I always say that. I always like to say that scripture. It says, I can do nothing of myself only when I see the Father doing. John, 14th chapter. I can't remember. It's about the 10th verse. Rough it. He says, The works that I do are what the Father's doing through me. We're co laboring with the Father. It's not a work that you have to do, it's a work that you get to do. It's your choice. But it's, He's given you the ability to hear and obey His word. Obey means listen, He's given you His thoughts. We just need to simplify Christianity. We change it into some monster of works instead of, wow, Father, what are we doing today? He's your Father. We need to be about the Father's business. And the Father doesn't tell you he's going to do anything today. Then Do what you want. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying? Lord, what are we doing today? And then just don't worry about it. Let him bring it up. But My mentor used to say, make it easy on you and hard on God after all he's got. Make it easy on me. I'm making it easy on. Or whatever you bring up, by faith, I'm going to be about your business today. I may miss it, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to walk forward. That's the beauty to be about. He says, "My father defines my being, and he say the father defines me and my destiny." Also, I mean, I know we're on Jesus, but this applies to you too. Okay, in the commentary, second paragraph. Jesus is surprised. I love this that his parents' divine encounter. Of his conception. His divine encounter. He's surprised. That his parents divine encounter. Of his conception. And the amazing events around his birth. With all the prophetic happenings. At the temple. And the marvelous announcements. Of Simeon and Anna. Seem to be forgotten so soon. I am on a rescue mission. Remember. I am here to redeem the tabernacle. The tent. The skenos. The temple of God. Image and likeness. Human life is my father's residence. Say, I am the father's residence. He dwells in me. My body is the most sacred thing in the whole universe. That's amazing. The things of my father's house consume me. Think about that. You're the most holy place. In the universe, your body. So is everybody else's. They just are walking around with blindfold, blindfolds on in the in the light of the gospel. Remember in Colossians 1, I was reading it, you know, that he delivers out of the dominion of darkness into the sun, into the kingdom of the Son of his love. In other words, from darkness to light, the dominion, not a kingdom, dominion. Being not seeing to see ha the gates of hot 80s not seeing, will not prevail against this kingdom. Sadly, they again seemed unable to make the vital connections and thus failed to comprehend the significance of this word, even in the way they thought at the time. Remember, Messiah was going to be like David. He was going to kick everybody's butt and out of the Israel. Israel was going to be a great, even in that scheme, because that's what they believed. They didn't understand the fullness of what, what the Christ would be. Even in that scenario, they should have thought, "Oh, he's the he's the anointed one. There's no way he's. If he we leave him behind, it's not a good that we did that. But he's not going to die because the father's got his hand on him." But like all of us, they're thinking in the flesh. He seems he seem seamlessly engaged with them. I love this in his earth suit. In other words, he started to engage with his father and mother, in his earthliness, in his humanness, in his son of manness. And went down with them to Nazareth, where he lived with them in submission to the the parental expectations. Say, God submitted to his earthly parents. Isn't that crazy? He submitted. All along, his mother deeply treasured all these words and and encounters in her heart. Now, think about that. He knows he's on a mission, he knows his time. Remember, is it John 2 when he, you know, the wedding at Canaan? You know, he says, My time has not come. He knows. He goes. He knows. Okay, I'm. I'm fully God. He comes from the same substance that the Father comes from. He's the Son of God. He is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He says all things came into being by Him. Yeah, but He's in an Earth suit. And in His earthliness, He went down, and submitted to His parents. So there is God submitting to to people that, you know, don't quite get it. All right. Last verse. Meanwhile, Jesus continued to engage and advance with courageous progress in all things. He engaged and advanced in all things. In wisdom, in stature. I love this. Again, and in the consciousness of favor before God and his fellow human beings. He advanced in his consciousness of favor before God and his fellow human beings. And just I'm going to bring this verse up to end it. Because it's so beautiful. John 14, 17 and 18, it says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And verse 18, And those who serve God in this way, in righteousness, understand who they are, in peace, union with God, and the joy of the Lord, are both pleasing to God and to man. (gasps) We had favor before God and his fellow human beings. Jesus walked around with favor until, of course, he started coming against the religion. Then it was a different story. But he had favor. He was charismatic. All right. That brings us to the end.